When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. The New York Rangers have won the Stanley Cup. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Let's go. What are we doing? What are we doing here with our football teams? 877-337-6666. What are we going to do in the draft? What are we going to do with defensive coordinator? At least that's what the Giants are thinking. As earlier yesterday, the New York Giants made a decision. I don't think it was Wink Martindale's decision. I think they forced his hand. We all know what happened. Early in the morning, they had an early morning press conference on Monday the end-of-season press conference with Brian Dable and Joe Shane, and they made a couple of announcements. They announced that a couple of, uh, you know, not surprising coaching uh, decisions. They they, uh, announced that they were letting go special teams coach uh, Thomas McGahee and that they were letting go offensive line coach Bobby Johnson. Both guys have been kind of under fire, both from the fan base and the media, and the offensive line has obviously been atrocious and the special teams not much better. And Thomas McGahey and Dable got into it on the sidelines. And they had to talk about that once. And the relationship, much like the relationship with, with Dable and Wink Martindale, which is why right now Brian Dable is getting the reputation of someone to be hard to work with, which may very well be fair. But he's the head coach, and the buck stops with him. And he is quite, uh, now you know for sure, he is 100% the leader of this team. Because early in the morning, that same press conference where they announced they were getting rid of Thomas McGahee and Bobby Johnson, the special teams and offensive line coach respectively, they also were asked about Kafka and Wink Martindale, the offensive and defensive coordinators. And they straight up lied to us and told us that, yeah, I expect them to be back. When they knew, quite honestly, that this was probably never going to work and that he was not going to come back. And then about an hour later, you get the news that they had released and let go of outside linebacking coach Drew Drew Wilkins and his brother Kevin Wilkins, who is a special assistant to the defense. Those are Wink Martindale's guys. And Wink Martindale runs this defense, right? This is not, and I said this earlier, this is not Robert Sala bringing in LaFleur, his best buddy, to run the offense, uh, an unknown, unproven offensive coordinator. This is a guy brought here specifically, in many ways, to be the head of the defense with a young, inexperienced offensive head coach that Brian Dable was last year. And that was probably part of it, to have something where he knew he could trust Wink Martindale to run that defense. And the defense has been the better part of the team. I don't think it's been all world. I don't think it's been as good as many people have portrayed it over the last, you know, 20 hours or so since the announcement had been made. I don't I don't think it's been a dominant defense. If you look at some of the numbers, it hasn't been a dominant defense. I thought at times this year they were one of the worst tackling defenses I've seen. Uh, They turned it on later in the season, and they did get a lot of turnovers. They had 31 tied for the most with Baltimore in the NFL. So they were an opportunistic defense. They got some turnovers, no doubt. 
And ultimately, they are vastly better than how than the lousy offense that Brian Dable runs. So when it was announced that Brian Dable said, I think they're coming back, then all of a sudden, two coaches inside Wink Martindale's defense. Now, that's even before, if you, if you weren't so aware, that he's the right-hand man of Wink Martindale, that he's someone who Wink Martindale trusts implicitly and has worked with for years. Once you found that out, all the turmoil, everything that's gone on since Glazer reported that Wink Martindale and Brian Dable have had issues, that there is a problem with that relationship. Since that was reported, they have done nothing but downplay it up until the point where he gets, he's talked about how much he loves the job, Wink Martindale, and the Giants defense coordinator is a, 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 you know, a final destination for him on some level. He'd love to be head coach, but... This is not a disappointment to end his career. You know, all that kind of talk of this is the this is as good a job as there is in the NFL, blah, 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 blah. You knew it wasn't going to work the minute they were firing coaches from his staff. It just wasn't going to it wasn't going to happen. And quickly after, I mean quickly after, he resigns. And we know what happened here. I'm sorry. We know what happened here. Brian Dable did not want Wink Martindale to be the defensive coordinator anymore. Plain and simple. And as much as that bothers me on some levels, one, I think Wink Martindale's a pretty damn good defensive coordinator. I think he's done a pretty good job. I think the the defense clearly is the best unit on the team. I think the players absolutely adore him. And I think last year he did a brilliant job, and this year he did a pretty good job. And ultimately, I don't want to be looking for another defensive coordinator. I think they would have been better served with if Brian Dable and Wink Martindale could have coexisted on this team and been back for at least one more year, I think this team would be better served for it. I totally, I totally believe that. And I do think that Brian Dable has garnered a reputation, and maybe fairly so, because we've seen him on the sidelines, whether it's in Daniel Jones's face, whether it's in Thomas McGee, the special teams coach face, whatever the case may be, he holds his players and he holds his coaches accountable, which we love under different circumstances, right? We're begging begging for Robert Sala to hold more people accountable. Begging. He's too nice a guy. That's why it's all about winning. Last year, it was an it was an asset of Brian Dables that he was feisty on the sidelines, that he got in Daniel Jones's face, that he was finally coaching hard. Like that's what that's what got them to the playoffs. That's what got them a win against the Minnesota Vikings. On the road in the playoffs. That's what it was Dable and his feistiness and the and the toughness he brought to the team. Now this year, he can't he's not he can't have relationships with people. It's a major problem. It's a major problem. Because they lost. And yeah, ultimately they're gonna lose a good defensive coordinator here. But here's the here's the positive spin for me if I can put one on it. This is Brian Dable's team. Brian Dable is the head coach. And ultimately, this is on him. And he is going to get high he is going to get another contract or fired based on the wins and losses and how this team operates. And if he feels that those two coaches, which by the way, are the outside linebacker coaches, and as as much as we might think Wink Martindale's done a good job and this defense has done a decent job, if you look at the overall scheme, which by the way led to discussion of Kayvon Thibodeau being a bust because in this system, you don't get sacks in the Wink Martindale system. 
Uh, he is the first player ever to get double-digit sacks in a Wink Martindale system. And whatever you want to talk about, these outside linebackers, Thibodeau, Aziz, Ajolare, and uh, Jihad Ward, like if you look at them, out of 78 off, uh, outside linebackers in the NFL, Tibbs, uh, when you look at pass rush wins, so when they beat the man in front of them in a pass rush, Thibodeau ranked 71st out of 78, Aziz Ajolari was 76th out of 78, and and Ward was 78 out of 78. Now, I, I got those from the guys who do um, talking Giants for John Boy. They do a great job. Uh, that's not very good. And overall, the one thing I'm a little bit excited about with a new defensive coordinator is the idea that maybe we can we could focus a little bit more on the pass rush and a guy they drafted fifth overall, maybe letting him pin his ears behind his back, uh, you know, letting letting him pin his ears back and getting after the quarterback might actually be a positive for Kayvon Thibodeau. And maybe he won't disappear, or at least what we think as disappearing in games where we don't hear his name called because he's got all these other defensive responsibilities that sure, hey, he's a jack of all trades. He hasn't been that he's been okay against the run. He's been a good solid player. I think the the talk of bust has long since passed. He's a good, solid player. But to to be someone who's drafted fifth overall, you need to get after the quarterback more, plain and simple. So if for whatever reason Dable felt like something needed to change inside that defense. If Dable believes what's best for the team is a different strategy or a different coaching group at the outside linebacker position, then that's what needs to happen because it's his team. And if that's stepping on Wink Martindale's toes, like that's a that's a that's a, a very fine line that you're asking this coach to walk. If he believes changes are what's best for the team and changes on coaches he brought in here with with Johnson and McGahee, coaches that he had relationships with that he was willing to move on from. I believe Bobby Jones, uh, Bobby uh, Jones, Bobby Johnson worked with him in Buffalo. These are guys he's had relationships with, and he's willing to move on from them. And if he thinks it's best to move on from the outside linebacker coach, but that's something Wink Martindale can't handle, that's a very fine line if you want to keep Wink but yet change position coaches that you believe need to be changed. He's the head coach. He makes those decisions. And as much as I'd like to see Wink Martindale stay and as uh, as disappointed as I am that they couldn't make it work, this proves to me that this coach believes in what he believes in. And this coach is willing to, although, you know, being a little bit disingenuous with the idea is coming back when you know he's not coming back and forcing a resi- uh, resignation instead of firing him. That he's going to do what he believes is best for this team and that he is running the show. And that's what I want from my head coach. We were just talking about the Dennis Allen situation. I want a leader. And leaders make tough decisions. And we'll find out if he's right or wrong. And whoever they hire might be worse and the defense might suffer. We'll see. I, I think overall, I'm concerned about the defense now. But at the same time, I believe in this head coach. Right? Last year, he was coach of the year. We have to make a stand with this coach and this GM. And that's why, as crazy as it may sound, and as much as a spin you might think I'm putting on it, I think once you realize that he is 100% the leader of this team and he's the one making decisions on everything, because I'm telling you, John Mara, I don't think John Mara probably wanted to fire Wink Martindale. I think he wanted continuity. 
I don't think they want to be out looking for another defensive coordinator considering how well Wink has done, how he's perceived around the league, how he's perceived by the fan base. I don't think they wanted Wink Martindale gone. But Brian Dable is the leader of the team, and if it wasn't going to work out, and I don't know whose fault it was. I don't know if Brian Dable's the reason this relationship didn't work or, you know, Wink Martindale was disrespectful or or lack of a better term than not disrespectful maybe necessarily or someone who challenged the authority of the head coach and refused to back down or whatever the case may be. We assume it's Brian Dable's fault because he's the feisty one on the sidelines, but we have no idea the dynamic of this relationship just yet other than it wasn't very good. But whoever's fault it was, the coach wins out. And that's why I want to give him the quarterback. I want to give Brian Dable what he's brought here to do. If I'm going to trust this guy, and you're going to bring him in here, and you're going to make him a head coach, and you're going to give him power, and he's going to be the leader of this franchise, then you got to do what got him here. And what got him here is developing quarterbacks. Whether it's Josh Allen, who he turned into an MVP caliber player or helped turn into an MVP caliber player, who has resorted back to turnovers without him over the last two years, or whether it's yelling in Daniel Jones's face the first game of the year after a bad interception and then turning him into one of the least turnover quarterbacks in the league and getting his best year of his career and having him take the team to the playoffs and win a playoff game, or whether it's taking Tommy DeVito and turning him into a guy who they didn't even want to let throw the ball against the Jets to a guy beating a playoff-bound Green Bay Packer team on Monday night, taking this whole town by storm to the point where now the guy can sell sauce. His strength is developing young quarterbacks. That's his strength. And if you're going to give him a vote of confidence, if you're going to allow him to run this team, if you're going to allow him to unilaterally make decisions on getting rid of a player or a coach based on his personal relationships, then you got to give him what he does best. Because whatever the case may be, if they go through this Brian Dable era, if they make it through the next handful of years and he ends up getting fired and they don't win at any significant level and that all happens without him drafting and developing a young quarterback, then that will be an absolute shame because that's what he got hired for and that's what he's best at. And that's why with this sixth pick, right now, if I'm Brian Dable, I am insisting, and if I'm Joe Shane, I am working my ass off to come up with a way to make sure I get whatever quarterback he wants on draft day. And if that's moving up, if plausible, if not, I'm figuring out a way. I am trying right now until I can't, until the day comes and and I couldn't make a trade and the sixth pick is up and the top four quarterbacks are all gone, whatever the case may be, until that very moment, I am doing everything I can to ensure giving Brian Dable a young quarterback that he can develop because right now, I don't care what they said. They lied to us about the Wink Martindale situation. I don't believe them when it comes to what they said about Daniel Jones. I do not believe that they trust Daniel Jones as much as they did before this year, before his bad play, before the reemergence of a neck injury, and before blowing out his knee. There is no way that those three things did not impact the way they believe that he can be the quarterback moving forward. There's no way, because that doesn't make any sense. Of course, the idea that he missed games because of a previous neck surgery that many people at the time thought might be the end of his career 
There is no way that the reemergence of that injury to go along with blowing out an ACL, to go along with getting blown out in almost every game he quarterbacked in, there is no way all of those things rolled into one do not impact how you view him moving forward. They would have to be idiots, and I don't believe them to be. So whatever they think about him, obviously they don't think he's a bum. They paid him. They really had no choice, but they paid him. But they can get out of it after one year, and they are in a unique position to have the perfect coach for it. And with the sixth overall pick in a a quarterback-heavy draft, it is time to go out there and draft a quarterback. No matter what they say, that's what they're going to do. And there was even a moment in the press conference that actually made me laugh a little bit. If you go back and watch it, Joe Shane has asked about whether or not he had scouted some of the top quarterback prospects in the draft. And if you watch it, for out of nowhere, they're, they're stone-faced the entire press conference, other than maybe Joe Shane being a little awkward and grabbing his phone when Brian Dable's talking about Wink Martindale. But when Joe Shane is asked about scouting the quarterbacks, you can literally see Brian Dable smile. I'm not kidding. I think part of it might be that it was just... What a silly question, of course, for scouting quarterbacks. I don't know, but there was a smirk on his face. I'm telling you, he wants a quarterback. Why wouldn't he? It also gives him job security, to be fair. I'm sure he does want a quarterback because they're going to ride it out with him for the next couple of years. So I think it's what's best for this team. I think it's what's best for this coach who has now proven to be the leader of this team, and they need to move forward and figure out a way to get a stud quarterback, a franchise-changing quarterback, and I trust no one better in the NFL, quite arguably. Then Brian Dable and Joe Shane to do it. They just did it in Buffalo. Let's bring Buffalo South here and legitimately in every way, shape, and form, bring it here. That's what I want. And that's still what I take out of all the nonsense today about the defensive coordinator. It sucks they couldn't figure it out, but my coach is in charge. And that's better. That's better than the alternative. 877 337-6666. The Jets also making news. Aaron Rodgers making a statement that makes absolutely no sense. Joe Douglas recognizing his mistakes. And ultimately, I agree that they are closer than you think. Call us. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. All right, McMonagle here with you. The other talking point coming out of the Giants, obviously, is Saquon Barkley, right? Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley. What do you do with Saquon Barkley? And obviously, Joe Shane referenced the franchise tag. Uh, it's not ideal, is how we put it, but it's a tool. It's a tool he has. It's a tool he used last year on Saquon Barkley. And I think, in my estimation, it's probably the best tool still available. Now, it's it's tough because I understand the idea of if you give him a multiple-year contract, even if it's two, if he'd be willing to take it, you can spread the money around. Like next year, they're going to have, I think, like just under $40 million in salary cap, something like that. And I believe the second tag is going to be about $12.5 million. So if you tag him, you've got, you know, 13 of 38, 39, something like that, 38, 39 million dollars. And that's all in one year. You can't manipulate that money. That's it. And you're going to piss him off. And who knows if he back-to-back years, he does not hold out, comes to an agreement. 
which and also you you heard from Joe Shane mentioned that there were no stipulations in the deal they signed at the beginning of this year, the one year deal, uh, to not use the tag again or any promises or anything like that. So the tool uh, of the franchise tag is still available to Joe Shane to use on anyone. Um, you know, McKinney's probably an option for for a tag, although I don't know if they would do that. I think Saquon Barkley still makes the most sense. Uh, you could give him a two-year deal. I just feel like if you didn't give him the, the long-term deal or any kind of deal last year, I have no problem keeping it a one-year deal. They're always, like, in the, the salary cap, like the argument, well, you don't want to put $13 million and then you're stuck with that money. Who? How else do you spend your money? Well, I, I'm assuming I'm going to sign free agents to long-term deals. I'll mess with their money. Like, that's that's how it works. I'll, I'm assuming the free agents I sign aren't going to be one-year deals or whatever the case, and I'll be able to fudge other money. The money I can't fudge is the franchise tag, and it's only 12 and a half. Like, to have Saquon Barkley here on the one-year, I mean, it makes sense to me because, quite honest, he's a very good player. He's a very good player, and the Giants have played better this year with him than without him. No no question about it. They were They were a better team with him than without him. But I always find that funny uh, when people say that. Like, yeah, you know, Saquon Barkley, look at the record this last year. Well, they didn't really have – one, they haven't won football, a lot of football games with him. And the other aspect of it is, yeah, they don't have a, a great backup running back option. But if they went into the season knowing they didn't have Saquon Barkley and had to acquire another running back, or knew they had to put a more premium pick on a running back in either in the second or third round, maybe it would be different. Like, sure, this specific team and the way it's built was much worse without Saquon Barkley. But does that mean that if you eliminate Saquon Barkley from your plans and go out and get a different, legitimate first you know, team running back, that it would be the case? I don't know. But I like the idea of of keeping him because I think he's a leader on this team. I think he's I think he's a damn good running back. But at the same time, for year eight or nine in the NFL, whatever it's going to be, I have no problem keeping it one year at a time. And I doubt very much. Now, I don't know what kind of contract they're going to want to give him. I don't know what contract he's still looking for. But I don't know what's changed between this year and last year. That's the biggest question for me. Last year he was incredible and was their biggest offensive focal point on a team that won nine games and won a playoff game. This year, missed time again because of injury on a high ankle sprain, and ultimately didn't impact winning at all. They were 6-11. and 11. So what's changed, other than maybe the money going up on the tag, what's changed where now you're more inclined after this year to give him a contract as opposed to franchise tagging him or just letting him go? which is still a viable option for me. As much as I like him, I don't think the Giants have to keep Saquon Barkley. I like Saquon Barkley. He's a good player. He has not been that much of a difference maker for this team. I mean, it's hard to... It's hard to... Like, this is where I am with the Giants. They've been awful. They've been awful. So it's hard to really make a compelling case for anyone having to be here. They've had as little amounts of winning done in the last since Saquon Barkley was drafted as any team in the NFL this side of the Jets. Like, look up and down the NFL and show me a team that's lost more games since Saquon Barkley was drafted than the New York Giants. And that's not to put it on him or to blame him for it. 
or to say it's his fault, but that's just a fact. Saquon Barkley has been here for one of the more darker periods in Giant history. Even when he was brilliant his rookie season, it didn't lead to winning. They were awful that year. And last year was his second best year, and they won nine games against the last place schedule. And we're seeing this year they weren't that was a little bit of a little bit of luck, a little bit of an easy schedule, a little bit of circumstance, and then they played a kind of a fraudulent thirteen win team, and Daniel Jones was great and dominated the football game, and they won a road playoff game. But we saw what happens when they played the Eagles or they stepped up and tried to play the Cowboys or any team of any real significance other than maybe the Lamar Jackson uh Baltimore team that they ended up beating early in the year. Besides that, they beat the Houston Texans and it and it was close. And it took Saquon Barkley to run the ball 40 damn times to get it done. So I'm not trying to say he doesn't impact the team at all. I'm not trying to tell you he's not a great player. What I'm saying is is the Giants have lost with Saquon Barkley a lot. And if they're moving forward with a new young quarterback, it'd be nice to give him that security blanket of a Saquon Barkley. But at the same time, I don't think it's it's it I don't know how much you expect to win right away and why am I investing in a win now running back at his age if I if I am still in a little bit of a rebuild. But if Daniel Jones comes back and you're trying to win next year, then it makes a little bit more sense. So it depends on where they are, what they do with the draft, how they view Daniel Jones, what kind of contract he'd be willing to take and do they need the do they need the franchise tag for another player? But I think Saquon Barkley, the the talk about him is, is obviously prevalent because he's the second overall pick. He's touched by the hand of God. He's their best overall offensive player. But he plays a position, unfortunately, that I'm not telling you has been devalued. The NFL and GMs around the league are telling you it has been devalued. You do not get paid as a running back anymore. You get, uh, you know, even Jonathan Taylor, it's a three-year contract. It's whatever it is. It's... And Saquon Barkley's on year, you know, seven. And if they didn't give him a contract last year, why give him one now? So I think he's either franchised or probably released. More like, you know, just not re-signed and somewhere else. And I wish him luck. And he's been a great giant. He's represented the organization unbelievably well. He's an, a leader and a great player. And if it's in the cards for him to come back, I'm I'm in. But at the same time, I... I just I don't know if if giving him a contract makes the most sense. And I don't know if Joe Shane and and Brian Dable, but Joe Shane specifically, uh feel that way either, considering they didn't give him a contract last year. Now, could his asking price come down after another year? After a year older, after uh, another year in the league? Could there be a, a a little bit more of a, a willingness and a give and take on his side before ultimately being tagged? Maybe. But I think there are bigger bigger problems and bigger holes and more important pieces than the running back piece. But obviously, Saquon Barkley, who finished his career with two touchdowns against the Eagles, or at least possibly, should I say possibly, if this is it, uh, finished the season and possibly his giant tenure with two touchdowns in a good game against the Eagles. But ultimately... His tenure will be a disappointing one. When I draft someone second overall, I don't expect to be the worst team in the sport over his tenure. And that's why I'm so gung-ho about the quarterback because they hit with Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is a great player. Saquon Barkley is a great running back. And they took a great player, 
second overall. We're dead right about it, and he's been their best offensive player for seven years, and it hasn't really impacted winning. If you are right about a quarterback, it changes your entire franchise. They've been right with tackles in Andrew Thomas. They've been right with Saquon Barkley. They were right with Dexter Lawrence. They were right you know, with, with different guys throughout. And none of it has impacted winning the way they were right about Eli Manning. That's the difference. That's the difference. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you on the fan. Also talking Jets and the ridiculous comments from Aaron Rodgers, which is just, it's mind-boggling to me that Aaron Rodgers has the balls to say everything with this team that doesn't have to do with winning. All the BS needs to stop. I mean, it is, it's comical because he is the bringer of the BS, right? He is, he is him and his Pat McAfee interviews and his, his takes on different things. And obviously Jimmy Kimmel, actually, yeah, you want to, you want to get up some of the Jimmy Kimmel stuff. So Jimmy Kimmel obviously um, responded last night on the show in his monologue to uh, some of the stuff uh, that Aaron Rodgers said. So he responded immediately on Twitter. So if you don't know, I don't know how you don't, but in his last Pat McAfee interview, they were talking about the Jeffrey uh, Epstein list coming out and made reference to people who won't like the idea that the list was released. And he mentioned Jimmy Kimmel and then talked about, you know, popping a bottle in satisfaction when, when the list is released and kind of insinuating. Now, there's different ways to look at it, insinuating that either Jimmy Kimmel was on the list or Jimmy Kimmel won't like the, the names on the list or... Jimmy Kimmel won't like the idea that he was right about the list. I'm sure that these are the excuses you're going to get from Aaron Rodgers tomorrow on Pat McAfee, which is obviously can't miss radio or TV or YouTube, however you consume it. But um, it's it's uh, obvious. So it's obvious that Jimmy Kimmel took it a certain way because he immediately came back and pretty much threatened a lawsuit. And there's been apologies from either Pat McAfee and uh, ESPN and everything else, but Aaron Rodgers really hasn't said any apologies, and we'll see what he says on Tuesday, but he was pretty much dared by Jimmy Kimmel. But Jimmy Kimmel did respond with a couple, I think he did about seven minutes in his monologue about Aaron Rodgers. We have a couple of clips here. Let's hear what Jimmy Kimmel had to say about Aaron Rodgers insinuating he may be on the uh, Jeffrey Epstein uh, fly logs and list that came out uh, earlier in the week. Aaron Rodgers has a very high opinion of himself because he had success on the football field he believes himself to be an extraordinary being. He genuinely thinks that because God gave him the ability to throw a ball, he's smarter than everyone else. The idea that his brain is just average is unfathomable to him. All right, one more. He put on a magic helmet, and that G made him a genius. Aaron got two A's on his report card. They were both in the word Aaron, okay? Yeah, so that's going after uh, his intelligence pretty much. And that's mainly because he's, you know, he's probably gone after a lot. You know, he's he wants to know if reporters are, are vaccinated and he believes that he's being, I don't know, pros- uh, persecuted is the right word, but he's being, um, you know, uh, heavily more scrutinized because of the idea that he is not vaccinated because of his sci- because of his beliefs in different uh views both politically and scientifically, I suppose, uh, regarding 
COVID, which obviously he didn't like the rules, which he was a little misleading on whether or not he was vaccinated by saying he was inoculated and all that stuff. So he's in a war with Jimmy Kimmel. He's in a joke and, you know, innuendo and back and forth, tit for tat with a late night talk show host. And then he stands at a podium and says everything around this team all the BS, anything other than winning needs to be put to breast. I mean, come on. Come on. You are getting openly insulted on night, on, you know, broadcast television. You are the reason for the BS. And again, I'm not saying that he should stop. I'm not, I, I understand. I, I think I saw a Geo call for him to stop doing the Pat McAfee shows. It would make life a whole lot easier for him. And he probably should, but it's a free country. Do what he wants. I have no problem. It's, it's content. If he wants to go do the, I think it's going to get a lot more, uh, and excuse me, a lot less controversial and 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 nuts if he's actually playing football. I think that'll make it a little easier to tolerate, and, and you know he'll actually have football to talk about. And not, I mean, they'll still get into the nonsense because that's where they want the interviews to go because it makes more news. But at least there'll be football to talk and different things. But plus, I have no problem with Aaron Rodgers being himself and putting himself out there if that's what he wants. That's fine, and I think he's worth. The level of BS. Not this year because he didn't play. But if he's playing at the level that I expect him to play and he expects himself to play, and if he's out there with Hackett, who he's won MVPs with, and leading the Jets to victories and are you know battling with the Bills and, and Dolphins for the AFC East title and are playing well and winning football games and he's scoring touchdowns and throwing touchdown passes and Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, whoever else they bring in, are having big-time years, he's worth the BS. He's worth it, and I don't mind it on some level. I really don't. This, I mean, did he take it too far with Jimmy Kimmel? Yes. But ultimately, just the, whatever his typical nonsense is, whatever his opinions are, if he wants to go on a podcast or a talk show or a YouTube channel or whatever and speak his mind, I don't care. Honestly, I don't care. As long as it doesn't impact the team. And it did this year because he wasn't playing. And if it does next year, even with him playing, then maybe I'll sing a different tune. Right now, it doesn't bother me. But what you can't do, what you absolutely cannot do, is be so unaware and so, you know, lack of self-awareness that you are, sir, the reason for the BS. What other BS has this team had other than doubting the coach when it comes to his opinion of the quarterback? It's been all football. I mean, unless I'm missing a story, it's been all football other than you. You are the BS. What, maybe the leaks? The Joe Beningo texts? That's about it. You bring the BS. You are the only thing not focused on winning. You are the one giving your uh, interview interviews and thought process on uh, hallucinogens and vaccines. That's you. So if you want to do that, God bless. But don't stand at the podium at the end of the year and scold the team and the organization for too much BS when you're bringing it. Like, I couldn't believe he said it. And I love him. And I think he should be back. And I'm, and I'm glad. I think Woody Johnson and the Jets are absolutely making the right decision in bringing back the coach and bringing back the GM and bringing back the, the, the offensive coordinator. All you can do is trust Aaron Rodgers that he knows what's best for the football team. And that I'd rather do that than have Woody Johnson hire a new coach and hire a new GM and hire a new offensive coordinator. I don't trust Woody Johnson to hire people. 
If Aaron Rodgers believes in these bums, let's let's run it back and see what he could do. And plus, I want him to be confident inside his offense that he knows, you know, without thinking about. Like that's I, I think there's only one thing to do. Unless you can build a time machine and go back and not trade for him. Once you trade for him, you have to f- see this thing through. I don't think there's another way. But that doesn't change the fact that he's caused a bunch of nonsense this this season. And he might be the reason for some of the football stuff. I mean, there's the thought process. And again, I don't know if we know this for sure, but I think it's a pretty educated guess to think he's a big talking voice behind, obviously, for sure, we do know some of the free agent signings, whether it be Boyle, whether it be uh, Lazard, whether it be whomever. Like, we know that. And the thought process says he might have a lot to do with Zach Wilson being the backup, and he might have a lot to do with the idea that Joe Douglas did not go out and improve the quarterback room after he went down. And, you know, he's the thought process. There's a thought process that he's behind all of this. So not only did he hurt them on the field by, you know, insisting on his way even when he wasn't playing, but he's also the one who's bringing the chaos and the, the cloud of smoke, like Linus, around the team. And then he he has the nerve at the end of the year to say everything else needs to stop. It's all about winning. Not some of the time, not most of the time, but all the time. Everything you do has to be focused on winning. Well, you know, maybe look at yourself a little bit and realize that nobody, ain't nobody needs to listen to that more than you. So that, I mean, it's just hilarious to me. I couldn't believe he said it. I mean, I just couldn't believe he said it. I mean, I guess I could. But that was just hilarious. Hilarious. And again, I agree with Coach Sala. And I agree with him. Because he said it too. I don't think they're far away. Call me crazy. I think the, I, I, I guess there was a discussion I just heard in the promo BT saying he'd rather be a Giant fan. Well, I mean, listen, if you want to just talk about well-run French French, uh, French fries, my God. what's wrong with me? If you want to just talk about well-run franchises, sure. I, I guess I would suppose I'd rather be a Giant fan. If you're talking about the the ability to win in the near and near future, I'd much rather. I'd, I think the Jets have a much better chance to be good next year than the Giants do. I think I, – I think, I don't care who the defensive coordinator is. That defense is better than the Giants' defense. That's that's one of the better defenses in the league. I still believe that. And, I mean, if they have Aaron Rodgers and they have Brees Hall, who just ran the ball 37 times in the snow to stick it up Bill Belichick's you-know-what to possibly end his career with a 17-3 to uh, loss in, in Gillette and absolutely dominate that football game and be the only guy who looked like the snow wasn't bothering him, and what he's done this entire last, you know, second half of the year or last few games of the season and and the way he's been the bell cow for this team to go along with how talented we know Garrett Wilson is to go along with the idea they're going to add more weapons and hopefully improve the offensive line and oh, you know, by the way, bring in a Hall of Fame four-time MVP quarterback to stop actually running his mouth and play some football, I think there's a good chance that the Jets are really good next year. The same way I thought they could be really good this year. And I think the defense early on in this season when they were embarrassing yet not beating top-level quarterbacks has proven it. And it had its moments, and I think they gave up against uh, the Browns. I honestly do. I think they gave up. I think they made business decisions against the Browns. 
They showed up against New England in the snow, and overall, I do believe this defense is legitimate, and I do think they'll add to the offense, and I do think Aaron Rodgers changes everything. So who's got a better chance to win next year? I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close. I think the Jets have a far better chance to be a a legitimate threat in the AFC than the Giants do in the NFC. I don't think it's close. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. Odell Beckham Jr. made the catch with one hand for the touchdown. Wow, what a catch by the rookie. Ridiculous. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. The other thing about the Golden Globes that I saw, I didn't get a chance to watch it, obviously, but the I hear that um, uh, Succession, my show, like, cleaned house. I've, uh, my wife told me it did well. I'm trying to look at all the, the winners here, but apparently, like, Tom, I don't know the, the actor's name, but Tom won, Shiv won, um, uh, Macaulay Culkin's brother won. I do know his name. I can't think of it right now. Roman, the character, no, the character Roman, yeah. But I was gonna, uh, so I think Kieran Culkin, Kieran Culkin. So yeah, so they all won that show. Is it's a it's a shame to see it go. That was a really great show. I'm I'm looking for a new show now. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing on TV. You know what I watched? Uh, I've been meaning. I got a text uh, Geo actually, uh, or if I see Al, I'll actually you know in. Uh, bother Al for a second. I never talked to Al. He's here. I just, I don't, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta become friends with Al on some level, or at least just, I know he's not looking for new friends, but just like some sort of relationship. Um, this, the curious case of someone, Grace, I can't even remember in Natalia Grace. It's, he mentioned it. I think my wife was listening too. And she said, you know, Gio talked about this, this show where they're not sure if it's, um, you know, they, this family adopts a kid and they're not sure if it's an adult pretending to be a child. And so like, we're like four or five episodes in, it's crazy. It's on, it's on max. If you get a chance. Yeah. So like they've talked about it. So I don't want to talk about it a lot. I'm just saying thank you. Cause I literally don't know what to watch. And my wife and I, unfortunately I own the television. It sucks. I have three TVs in the living room and I own all of them. Like last night I'm watching the Rangers on one. I'm watching the national championship on another, and we let the kids stay up a little bit late on Mondays to watch a little bit of Monday Night Raw. So I got Raw on one TV. Like, So this is what my wife has to deal with. She's watching Raw, she's watching college football, and she's watching hockey. She has no interest in any of that. And she's stuck there with three televisions on, and none of them appeal to her at all. So I, I feel bad for her. I do. I, she, she gets no TV time. So we're constantly looking for new shows uh, to watch together that I can put on one of the TVs while I half watch it and watch sports on the other TV. Like tonight, maybe we'll put that on uh, the f- fourth or fifth episode of Natalia Grace, the curious case of Natalia Grace, and I'll have the Nick game on on the other TV and pretend I'm paying attention to that show. But the show is kind of crazy. It is. It, it, it throws you for a loop. It's one of those things where they tell the story, I mean, kind of in chronological order, I suppose, but it's like heavy, heavy leaning where you they you think they're leading you where this person's the problem, and then all of a sudden there's a switch and they're like, oh, this was all this person's the real problem. 
It's like Aaron Rodgers being the person making all the, the issues, all the BS, and then suddenly swerve turn, he gets on a mic and tells you it's the Jets organization that needs to stop it. Like that, Weird. This whole time I thought it was you, Aaron, creating the storm. But apparently it's the Jets organization and it needs to stop. Funny how that works. But yeah, this curious case, Natalia Grace, is is, is crazy. So I got to check it out. Um, oh, Margot uh, Roby won for... Oh, no, she was the nominee. Emma Stone won again. She's just... She kills every awards segment. I actually saw her. She was at the um, Met playoff game. I guess she's a San Diego Padre fan. She's from San Diego. She was at the Met playoff game two years ago. Uh, very excitable, very, very fun. People were coming up to her. She was signing things. She was having a good old time. At I City remember Field. they showed her on the big screen, and people started yeah. cheering, and I know she's from the West Coast, so I knew, yeah. like, oh, there's no way she's rooting for the Mets. No, I think she and had, like, she a big Padre the jacket, jacket on. And yeah, the Padre yeah. Shirt. yeah, me and, uh, and Lug were sitting uh, at the in the SNY suite, and she was, like, down in front of us, and she was having a good time, man. She was She was into it. She is a Padres fan. Uh, I apologize that uh, we took Juan Soto from you. Become a Yankee fan, Emma. Come on the show. Anytime. I did not see this Poor Things movie that she won for, but then again, I don't have a life. So I haven't seen any movies. I saw Barbie recently, which actually was better than I thought. Have you seen Barbie, Marco? You look like a Barbie guy. I would watch it. I haven't yet to see it, no. It was actually better than I thought it was going to be going in. I didn't have much expectation, but it was actually funnier than I thought, yeah. See, I actually think it's going to be a solid movie. Yeah, I just see, don't I know, know exactly what it's going to be about. Yeah. That's the thing. Well, I didn't really read all the. No. You know. Well, I mean, a lot of, like they they do it well. Like some of the jokes are like it's she's actually like Barbie kind of. So like I don't want to give too much away, but they have fun with like she. It's not like just it's actually like she's a doll, so she doesn't eat or drink. So it's like she pours her cereal box out and there's no cereal in it, but she still eats it. Like a lot of like jokes like that okay. where it's like she's almost like Barbie being played with almost without being played with. You know what I'm saying? Like she has tea time and there's no tea in the cups, like stuff like Kinda. that. Kind yeah. of. I, obviously, I have, to, I have to watch the movie. Yes. I don't know exactly what you mean. What but do like, you mean you don't it. know what I mean? There's a cup. But I no understand, but I mean, it depends. That's what I'm saying. That's not exactly the funniest thing, so no, I got to no, actually I, sing well, it. You course. see what I'm saying? Well, I'm saying there are a lot of little jokes like that. Not that that's the big laugh, but like that's the kind of movie it is. It's quirky. I think he's really good as Ken in it. It's, it was a good movie. Well, that's the thing. Like I Will said, Will Ferrell is funny in it. They have good actors in yeah. it. Yeah. And she seems like she knows, uh, I forget her name. She seems like she's a good uh, director. Yeah, Margot Ro- Robbie. Uh, no, no, no. Margot Robbie. Robbie's the star, the, oh, the, the director. Oh, I forget her director. name. Uh, she seems like she does a pretty good job of putting together a story. So I feel like it would be a good movie. Obviously, it had great reviews. Everybody and their mother saw it except for me, apparently. Yeah, but, I know. You know well, I just saw it recently. You know, I, I haven't gotten there. I haven't gotten Oppenheimer. You know, oh, I, I'm Oppenheimer on, was good. Well, uh, see, Mac. I got, Oppenheimer was really I got, good. I got some issues here. So I got to get in front of the four hours to uh, watch a movie? Come on. I'm what four you? hours of sleep, man. Like, I'm, I'm struggling. You ain't kidding. I'm struggling, so I need to get in front of the TV at some point. Yeah, check it out. I see. I don't. That, that, that's a movie. Unfortunately, I know you can't always get to the theater, but that's a movie that's probably not the same on TV as it was in the theater. It was good in the theater. That was the one movie I made a point. I haven't. I think that's the last movie. I think we saw Creed two, and then I saw Oppenheimer. It was the last two movies I've seen in the movie theater. Creed two, not Creed three. No, Creed 2, Okay, back in the day. I haven't been to a movie, but for whatever reason, I wanted to see Oppenheimer. I made a point to go see Oppenheimer. Did you guys show your kids the Super Mario Bros. movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. You're right. I've been to the theater for kids' movies. I've been to the theater for mine. We went to the theater a bunch uh, for different things. But, yeah, uh, the Mario movie's excellent. It's a lot better than I thought. Yeah, it's basically it's on good. a loop at home because my nine-year-old oh, really? watches it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, every day? Yeah. I mean, seriously, every day for about a month now. Yeah, I know. They get, they, aren't they weird like that? Yeah, they, they get addicted they, to certain things and just watch it over I mean, and over and yeah, over. Like right now, for whatever it is, the, the diary of a wimpy kid has been like the thing for two weeks. And it's nonstop. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's still wrestling and whatever else. But for whenever they have a minute to put on something else, the diary of a wimpy kid. I'm like, two weeks ago, you had no interest yeah. in this whatsoever. Yeah. Now it's the only thing you watch. It's so weird. He went from uh, across the Spider-Verse, or in, yeah. I forget which one was the new one. He watched that yeah. every day for about three weeks. Right. And then we've watched Super Mario Brothers every day for three weeks. Yeah. He's watched every Super Mario. So I've, I think I've caught the whole movie in pieces by yeah. now. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty sound. good. It was it's, solid. It, it's it's much better I than think, I thought uh, it would be. Yeah. That I didn't have any expectations for. Yeah. That's much better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I guess. I had I had it's a Mario movie. I was looking forward to it a little bit as far as kid movies go. I think uh Izzo. I think Izzo went to the theater four or five times to go see that. His daughter loved it. Wow. Yep. So that's dedication. Yeah. I don't think I'd be going to the theater more than I, I saw Casino in the theater like three times, but <laughs> I was a much younger man. <laughs> Yeah, I, I used to love going to the theater. I went to the theater all the time. I would go to the theater by myself. A lot of people like look down on that. I don't care what people think. I went to the theater all the time by myself. See, and this is this is the kinship. This is why yeah. we work in the middle oh, of the you night. You the theater too? Oh yeah, yeah. That, well, I can't going to the movie think theater me. alone is just one of the greatest experiences in life. Oh man, look, we're See, surrounded by like-minded I was people. Who, like, I love judged it. it early on. Then I yeah. lived alone for two months, you know, right. three hours away from home, and all of a sudden going yeah. to movies well, alone was right. great. Same thing, eating at restaurants or whatever diners. Go to hell. I'm sitting yeah, by myself. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. See, yeah. that I don't enjoy as much. I don't care. No, I don't care either. I would do that. Um, but yeah, when live alone and have off on Monday and Tuesday and nothing going on, I would go to the 11 a.m. You know, discounted matinee and see the mo- best all the part movies. of it. I worked yeah. for a baseball team and didn't have to do anything until like a 5.30 or 6 o'clock pregame show. So yeah, right. matinees. There you go. All right. I'm glad we did this. <laughs> I'm glad we figured this out because I, I was very self-conscious about it and you guys made me feel better. Thank you. This is good. This, this is, is good. good. This we're, was good. We're growing. This was good. We're growing. We are. Now I have we to are. watch Barbie, and I'm going to have to laugh at the yeah. cereal and the no bowl. Yeah, well, you know, and the tea and, no and you'll think of C-Mac. Yeah, and you'll think of me as she's drinking out of the milk carton, but no milk. 877-337. I mean, they only pulled mm. that joke about 45 times, so you'll. Mm. it's hard to miss. It's going to be a long two hours. Yeah. <laughs>